Hey, ebook readers, right now, the Flight Attendant Joe series ebooks are only $2.99. That's Fasten Your Seatbelts and Eat Your Fucking Nuts, Flight Attendant Joe, and I'm Just Here for the Layovers on Amazon, iTunes, Nook, and Kobo, $2.99 each. Hey, guys, it's Monday, April 27th, 2020, and excuse me for a moment, I have to wipe off my chin because I just had a Cherry Coke Zero explosion. It was like a Coca-Cola Bukaki in, my <laughs> in this studio. Now it's all sprayed all over the place, but I don't want to stop. I hate hitting the stop record button once I hit it. And it really did just happen. So, hey guys, welcome. It's Monday and this is Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe. Yesterday was World Pilots Day and I had no clue that it was, I didn't, I had no clue that was a thing. And last week I deemed this week to be, that's a lot of weeks, right? I am all, oh, look what happens when you have a cherry Coke bukkake. I deemed this episode, this week to be pilots week because today we have pilots on, on Thursday I have pilots on. And it started making me think about jokes that I write. You know, I write a lot of pilot jokes, flight attendant jokes, gate agent jokes, and I get messages from other flight attendants on social media, and they're like, I hate pilots too. And I just want to throw this out there that these are just jokes. I don't think pilots are assholes or dicks. Well... Most of them are not. You know, you can't compare, just because you had one bad experience with someone, it doesn't mean they're all assholes, right? You know, not all flight attendants are hoes. Most of them are not. You know, it's, you know, I've had gate agents send me messages. I wrote a blog post once about gate agents. And let me tell you, nobody gets angrier than gate agents. They came out with their IDs ready to slap me and their claws and their pens, pens, anything they could get to attack me on social media. And I was like, whoa, you can't laugh in, at the flight attendant jokes and you can't laugh at the pilot jokes. And then when I start joking about your work group, you want to come and stab me. That's no, 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 we don't play that in this world. All right. So if you're going to laugh at one, you got to laugh at them all. So that's how I feel about that. But seriously, you know, not all pilots are assholes. Not all flight attendants are hoes. I have a hard time saying that without laughing. Um, just like not all Mexicans are rapists. Not all white people are members of the KKK just waiting to put on a hood. Not all black people are going to steal your wallets. Not all Asians are terrible dry. You know what? Let me just start this music. <laughs> oh my God. This week I should just go back to bed. On today's episode, I had two pilots call in to talk about COVID-19 and what it's like to be flying during this time. You'll quickly find out that both of these pilots are on a leave of absence, but that doesn't mean that what they have to say or their experiences prior to this episode don't mean anything. And I think they have a lot of great things to say. We talked about how their airlines are handling this situation. Could they be handling it better? We talked about backup plans. What's your plan B? You know. I am a firm believer in backup plans. Even if you think your life is amazing and perfect, somebody could pull out the rug and you need to know what you're going to do. We talked about misogynistic mis misogynistic pilots, homophobic pilots. It was a great conversation and my best friends on it. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome Marissa and Adam. Hey Marissa, welcome to Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe. How are you today? Great. How are you doing? Oh, well, I'm doing all right. I was just watching bunny rabbits run down the middle of my street. So that tells me that the animals are about to start taking over again. That's 
I'm, I'm a big believer in that happening. <laughs> we have coyotes in the area and I'm just waiting to see one of those. But so far the rabbits are just like running up and down the street. Like humans aren't even here anymore. It's hilarious. Little bunny foo-foo. <laughs> I love them. They're like my pets. Okay, enough about bunnies. So welcome to the okay. show. Um, I did a little stalking. So if I don't know my guests, I do a little stalking. And on Instagram, you you state that you have three children, you're a pilot, and you're a single mom. How the hell do you do that? Um, huh. Day by day. <laughs> oh, my God. I can, oh my God. I, what are you, Wonder Woman? No, no, my mom is. So maybe that's. Oh, <laughs> you um. Yeah. Yeah, I can barely pack my. I can barely remember to pack my underwear. How do you get be when you're a single mom? How do you go from all right? I have the three kids. I'm running around crazy. Okay, now I have to switch over to pilot mode, and now I'm going away for a while. That's exactly how you do it. Is you leave. <laughs> you, leave for, <laughs> you leave for a little bit, and then it works out great. Do you feel, so, no, I use, go ahead. Yeah. I, no, I just, I, I do that to like recharge, you know, go on, go on the road to recharge. I guess it's on the road is easier than at home. <laughs> it's like a break, right? You say, I love my kids. I love you, but now I'm going to go to work so I can go to a hotel room and be by myself. Exactly. Are you whole, are they home? So how old are your children? They are 11, 10 and seven. So they're all homeschooling or is school open where you live? It's closed. Yes, it's homeschooling for us. It's uh, a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, no, no. I just did an episode with parents parenting during COVID-19, and that was the hardest thing for them is the homeschooling part. Um, I've learned to um, not, this might sound terrible. I don't put a lot of effort into their schooling as soon as it's done. We, we go outside and do stuff. I think more is uh, caught than taught. So mm -hmm. they go out and it's like 1980s again, you know, like they're doing jump rope and climbing in trees and hopefully not getting hurt, you know, but, but yeah, I have more of like a old school mentality with that. Oh, I love that. My husband and I were just talking about that because we have two trees in our backyard and we were sitting out on the deck the other day and he's like, you know, I remember being a kid and climbing trees was one of my favorite things. And I just don't see kids climbing trees anymore. Yeah, I don't see that either. I see a lot more kids are riding their bikes now with this uh, quarantine, though, which is kind of nice. So maybe we'll all revert back to like, you know, like the 70s and 80s and stuff. Like maybe we'll learn how to be kids again. So. Right. And not just stare at iPads because that would be fun. Yeah. You know, because my parents, I would go out from like nine in the morning to like 7 p.m. I don't even think I ate. I don't know how that worked. I just remember like I did not want to be in the house. I wanted to be outside. And now it's like parents have to literally like push their children outside. Yeah, it's crazy. I remember, I mean, you know, you had like free reign, you know, right? You'd hop on your bike and be home before the streetlights came on. And if you got hurt, you just wanted to kind of just, you know, throw some dirt in it, make it stop bleeding or something, because heaven forbid, if you went home, you were going to have to stay inside then. So, right, so it's a lot right. different, you know, nowadays, but. It is. Um, well, that's enough talking about parenting. I want to talk to you about how you manage everything, being a pilot, being an airline commercial pilot and going to work now during the pandemic. Are you actually working still or are you on a leave at this moment? <laughs> 
I'm on a leave. I'm okay. on a leave. Yeah. But I, yeah. And I've actually, I have looked into other avenues and stuff too. Of, you know, Hey, long-term is this, you know, when, when do I think this is all going to um, subside? And, and cause it's, I put the leave so that it can kind of let the dust settle, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like a waiting game. <laughs> now, how long have you actually been, a, how long have you been a pilot? How long have you been flying? Well, I've been a licensed pilot uh, since 2002, okay. but I didn't go to the airlines uh, until night. We think you're no, not 19, uh, three years ago, three okay. years ago to the regional. Okay. So. Right. Oh, so you, so you work for a regional airline here in the States? I do. <laughs> No, no, I'm not saying that in a bad way. Like, oh my God, I should, I should just, wait a minute. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I should hang up. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, But that's good because I want to understand like, my, my, I just learned so much the other day because I had Mike Wagner on, who's a corporate pilot, and there were so many aspects of that that I had no I, I didn't know what was going on, and I never worked for a regional airline. So you work for an airline, but you do flights for the big three. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, that's correct. Okay. And um, how, how long is your leave of absence going on right now? How long are you going to be off? It's, it's uh, month to month, Okay, um, but I've kind of looked into other other avenues. So I don't know, it might actually transition into not airline flying, but we'll see. So try not to read into that too much. Okay. No, well, (laughs) one of my questions that I wanted to ask you was nobody knows what's going to happen. It's like, you know, we kind of know what's going to happen till September 30th, but then after that, who knows? Like airlines are sending out emails like, Hey, you might be furloughed. So just prepare. Like, they're almost preparing us for the worst possible scenario. So I wanted to ask you, like, do you have a plan B in, in it set up just in case you wake up and they're like, yeah, we don't need you right now. Yeah. And that's, especially as a single parent, you know, you have to have like, you know, multiple avenues that you can choose from in a heartbeat. So I, I think for me, once it started to look a little bit grim, you know, I started researching and, and putting out some, uh, applications and, um, so we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I'll be where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> applications with, um, other airlines or just applications for other jobs? Other, yeah. Other flying positions. Oh, okay. All right. That's um, good. I've had my, yeah, I've had my stuff in with the, the majors for some time, but that's, um, you know, it's everything, you know, kind of frozen right now. When's the last time you actually worked a flight? End of March. End of so, March. End of March okay. is the last. Yep. And it was still crazy. I mean, nobody, there were like ghost flights almost. And, um, but I, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's different. I'm, I'm glad I'm here, you know, cause my kids are, you know, doing the homeschooling thing right now, but it's, uh, yeah, it was really weird. I didn't want to risk getting sick and then being quarantined, like away from my kids, you know, like in a hotel. <laughs> so. Right. So for me, right. it was just, yeah, he didn't want to get stuck on the road. So, um, we're here and it's, uh, it's interesting. <laughs> it's fun. You know, that was my biggest fear. I, the last time I flew was in February. Um, I had recurrent in March. I dropped a few trips in March and now I'm on a, a six month six month leave. I don't go back till October. So that's nice. But I remember when I was, when I was thinking in March, I had a couple trips that I dropped and I was thinking like, 
I'm not so scared about going on the airplane because there's only 10 people or 15 people. What I was afraid of was be getting stuck somewhere where now I have to, I can't, you know, the flights canceled, flights are all canceled. I, you know, at that point in March, I didn't know if the airline industry was going to stop flying. And I was like, I'm not getting stuck somewhere where I have to run a car and drive across the country. And you can't rent a car because all the car rentals are like obsolete almost. So oh. everybody's, yeah, I'm just like I'm not gonna get stuck on the road. <laughs> well, yeah, when I was when I was looking at um, because in March we still had some stuff in open in our open time, and there were flights to like to like Caribbean islands, and I was like, hell if I'm doing that because I'm not getting stuck on an <laughs> island for who knows how long. It was so crazy. So how um, so were you off? Was this your first month off from flying, April? Yeah. Yeah. And um. Are you going to continue bidding to get the time off each month? Or do you say, all right, no, I'll try to go back in June or July. Or is it like, I don't know what I'm doing? I'll try to bid to keep, to keep it off. Um, I think um, with, with the schools, um, cause that was, I'm kind of playing it ear, but by, um, by ear based on what the school district is doing as well. Um, my kids are like on a modified year round school district. So they might go back to school in July. So I don't, I don't know. There's way too many like spinning plates. Right. So I'm like, Oh, right, we just right. stay at home. And so I'm going to try to, um, ride this one out as long as I can, you know, and uh, go back when you have to. Right. Are you, um, are, are they paying you to be off or is it a no pay leave? Uh, right now it's no pay. Oh, okay. So. All right. And do you see that changing or right now they're just like, there's no emails coming from management that says, yeah, we'll pay you at some point. They did change it for uh, the next month, so in May, um, but it's minimal. It pretty much covers uh, insurance premiums. Okay. All right. Yeah. For um, I know at my airline, I'm getting paid like 34 hours. Of course, now that I just said that, everyone that works at my airline is going to know where I work. Oops. But um, so they're playing flight attendants a certain amount. Um, but for April, we didn't get paid anything either. I think it was once that CARES Act went into action that they were like, all right, we can pay you to stay home. Yeah. But I don't, I don't even know yeah. if that's, that's true. Do you think that's, is, am I right in saying that or am I just crazy? I, no, I think that, I think that maybe that's when it did coincide was with the CARES thing. So I didn't, I didn't really, uh, I didn't put two and two together until you just said that. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that I, so I think it did coincide with that. Yeah. Yeah, because um, they offered us April off, you know, to bid it off, but there was no pay. And then they came out with these programs for like May through September that you could be paid certain amounts every month if your seniority holds it. And I'm, I was able to get all five months, so that's good. Now, um, I hope you're collecting unemployment because I think you can apply for unemployment. I did not know that. I thought if you're on leave, then you couldn't. So, I don't know. Can, so, can you? Yeah, you know, I am. And I'm not embarrassed about it because you know why? I am 47 and I have never, I've been working since I was 13. I started in a farmer's field and I have never collected unemployment. So I have no guilt about collecting unemployment right now. But um, uh, the air, I know our airline, and so you should check yours. They sent out an email when they were allowing all these leaves. They were like, we will not contest you to apply for unemployment. And when you go on the um the unemployment page 
so where I'm, you have to, of, of course, apply for unemployment in the state that you work. So that's a different state than I live. So when I went on, there's two options. There's like, are you out of work because of COVID-19, which technically that's why we're out of work. Cause we wouldn't be taking this time off if it wasn't for COVID-19. And then um, yeah. there's another options like, are you out of work? Not because of COVID-19. And then there's different options um, for like, if you are out because of COVID-19, like you are and I am, you don't have to be looking for another job. It says like, just make sure you stay in touch with your airline. And then of course, if you are out of work and it has nothing to do with COVID-19, then you have to still continue looking for a job. But with this CARES Act, you're getting an extra $600 a week added onto your unemployment. So say you get $400 a week unemployment. Now you're getting $1,000 a week between like April 5th and like July something. So don't throw away money. So after this call, I think you need to go in and apply for unemployment. <laughs> Who would have thought, right? Who would have thought, you know, that this would all be happening? Crazy. <laughs> I know. Now, I remember like when, here's a funny story. So I, um, I worked in February. I was off for the month of January. I don't work a lot. Don't tell anyone. But... In February, I worked some great trips and I was so excited. I was like, wow, I, I love this job again and I'm having so much fun. And this is, oh, I needed this. These great trips. I had long Nashville layovers and Savannah and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, right when I'm starting to feel good about my job again, the whole thing just collapses. <laughs> right? It's crazy. It's crazy. It really is. It really is. <laughs> so now when you're in the, when you're in the flight deck and you're locked behind that door, do um, what's it like with the other pilot? Do you suffer, you know, you're, you're a woman in the flight deck. Do you experience a lot of misogyny? That's the word, right? Misogyny. Yes. <laughs> Sexism, things it, like that. It is. It is. And, uh, you're going to get me into trouble with this one, but yeah, that there's, I think it's still a decent amount that exists. Uh, I've been told that, um, <laughs> been told some, some bad stuff, you know, um, there's a lot of sexism. There's a lot of, um, real narrow minded comments, um, mm -hmm. homophobia. Oh yeah. Um, I hear, I hear homophobia runs rampant up there. It's like this 1950s. I don't even know. Like I've been told too, that it's like, they believe that they, they, I shouldn't say they, there's certain people that think that like moms should literally be at home with their kids then you know or oh, they still have that um, mentality that why are you sitting to the, <laughs> why are you sitting up here you should be at home with your children right right wow. so um it's really just uh it can be really toxic um that's when you know bluetooth works really great because then you can throw on some tunes or ignore them um there's some very like um ego narcissism you know right. so sometimes you have to figure out how to work with them because you don't want to break down the crm either so right that's very important you kind of yeah so it's kind of like damage control too you're like well how much of this can i tolerate and you know i'm stuck with this person for you know another couple of days and how do we get through this and so it, it's you're always trying to, to find that balance too sometimes Sometimes you just try to get them to talk about themselves, to be honest, because then you're like, okay, well, <laughs> at least you'll be happy with that because, you know, you're God's gift to everybody. But um, well, they want to talk about themselves. Now, my, my philosophy is if you're, if you're a, if you're a homophobe, you probably also do think women should be at home. I think that they go together. 
you, if you have that mentality, you probably are sitting up there thinking, oh, there's fags in the back and this chick should be at home. Yeah. I wonder yeah. if they like, so they're sitting up there. Do they say, well, let me not talk negatively about women. Let me just focus on the homos in the back. <laughs> I know that sounds terrible, but that's what I imagined. Like, well, I can't bash women because, you know, I'm working with her and I need her to do 50% of this work or whatever. But, you know, it's just so bizarre to me. I hear that so much that homophobia is just so rampant up there. And I was wondering, does it happen it's, for women too? I mean, they blatantly say they, I mean, it depends. I mean, m most trips, I mean, are, are completely fine, you know, but you do run into, you know, the a-hole, you know. And uh, that would be asshole for all those people yes. who don't know what a-hole is, yes. but it's asshole. Okay? Yeah, I love that word. <laughs> but yeah, there's, um, yeah, you love that word. I'm sorry. I even have a chapter in one of my books called stop. Kids Are Assholes. It's a, one of my favorite words. <laughs> they are. Yeah, well, yeah, they, they are. are. They are. They are shitheads, I swear to God. <laughs> but I love mine. I love my kids so much. But yeah, they just, I'm amazed that people, there's not really like a, a filter and they'll just say things that are really, you know, demeaning or, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's, um, and even if you say something to you, try to quite politely steer them the other way. But I, I have a very point blank to say, you know, we're, we, I'm, we're not talking about this anymore. So <laughs> now is there racism up there too, or is it just more homophobia and sexism or is it just everything? Um, there's probably, yeah, it'd be all the above. I've heard some really, uh, narrow mindedness too. um, when you have people that, um, you know, are, you know, from, from other countries that are, you know, to me, that to me to be somebody that is coming from another country and you're able to fly and speak, you know, in, in, in another country. I mean, that person to me is super smart because there's no way in hell that I could go to another country and be speaking another language and doing what they do, you know, mm -hmm. and I've heard a lot of bad comments with that too. And it's just, it's so, that's disheartening too, because it just, you don't see people as, as people. And obviously these people don't, they, they think of themselves better, you know, and that's, that's really um, hard. For me, that's really hard because it's like you're being around a bully all the time and you're like, you know, can you just like stop? Right. <laughs> so. Right. Oh. We just, like, fly. <laughs> right. We're just here to fly an airplane. You don't have to be a bully about everyone that's different. <laughs> to you. Is it, an, do you think that it falls in a certain age or like younger, the mentality of younger pilots different than the older generation? Yeah. Yeah. I think it does differ. I think people that are younger, are typically, typically a lot more, um, you know, open and understanding and, um, accepting, you know, and they kind of don't care. You're there to go fly an airplane and, you know, it doesn't really, what I love about aviation is that they, flying doesn't know if I am married or single or I have kids or how much money I don't have in my bank account, you know, like it's, you're just free from all those prejudices up in the sky. And when you bring that into the cockpit, you know, or even in the sky, to me, it's just so, um, it's heartbreaking because I'm like, no, you're wrecking what is like, so accepting up here like the sky doesn't care about all of those things you know and right. and when you bring that in it's just it's like this toxic yuckiness so right and then you're there and then you're on a four-day trip and you're like this is like one i'm gonna kill myself this is terrible i have to sit here next to this douche but you know i 
I, I imagine those, you know, I think back to like the sixties when, or like the fifties and sixties, you know, a female pilot, she must've been rung through the fucking ringer. Can you imagine oh, yeah. back in the day, they would be like, do you, do you even know how to drive? Like, I can only imagine the people that paved this way, the ladies that paved this way that said, I love flying. I'm going to get in the flight deck. I don't give a fuck how ignorant the person sitting next to me is, but I'm going to follow my dream. I just imagine they yeah. got, oh my God, that must've been terrible. I've actually had passengers when I've been the lead flight attendant, when, um, the captain is a female and she comes over. Hi, my name's Susan. Blah, blah, blah. Welcome. Da, da. I've had the first, I've had somebody come up to me and be like, do you think she's going to, is she okay to fly? And I'm like, oh yes, yeah, somebody with a vagina is flying the airplane. If I'm not scared, you shouldn't be scared. Now have a seat. <laughs> Fucking idiots. But, <laughs> well, thank you because. That would be. Awesome. You said that. <laughs> well, I would be fired, but I did say one time I would say, yes, she has a vagina too. And I never, I've never gotten a complaint letter. So 12 years, I thought that would have been it. So, but yeah, <laughs> thank you. Been it, yeah. Well, thank you for being honest. I know that, um, you could be putting your neck out on the line to say these things, but I think they're true statements and everyone says them behind closed doors. All my pilot friends, I'm like, is it homophobic up there? And they're like, Joe, I love you. But yes, you should hear the things that come out of some of these people mouths. So bravo to you for saying like, uh, yeah, yeah. For honestly coming on the show and saying it. Well, thank you. How do you think your management is handling the situation? Do you think they're doing the best they can? No. <laughs> well, I'm one of my rules is be one of my rules for being on the podcast is be honest and say anything. So I'm glad that you feel that way. And um, of course, we're not going to mention the airlines. What could they what are they doing right? And what are they doing wrong? You know, I think it's, you know, right to be able to offer, you know, a leave. But I, I feel like it's I, I feel like that there's not a lot of like it's not personalized you know, at all. You know, it's just it's uh it's management. I don't know. They just don't, you're kind of a number. And I think I, I kind of feel like they're, they're not trying to make it easy on you, but you kind of do leave, you know? Cause oh. I think, yeah, I, that's, that's the feeling that I get is that it's kind of, I think that they're trying to find answers as well, you know, and figure right. stuff out. And if they can kind of make it, make themselves as skinny as possible, then maybe they don't have to trim a lot of fat, you know, come September, right. you know? So we'll see. So if they get a lot of people to do an involuntary leave, then they won't look so bad come like September, October when they have to like trim a thousand people away or whatever. Maybe. And that's, that's just what I feel. That's my perception of it. So it could be totally wrong, but that's kind of what it feels like. So, well, I think, I think that's the same way at my airline and a lot of airlines. I think they're just, like at my airline, they're emails every day and just really pushing people to take an involuntary leave, like almost begging, like if you can take time off without pay or whatnot, please do so. And I, I think that's good because I, in my mind, I'm like, all right, I, you know, I should take time off because I can live on that amount of hours a month. And maybe somebody junior to me needs to work a hundred hours a month. So I understand that, but I'm curious of how people think their airline is handling this situation where we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I feel like they're just kind of looking out for, 
numero uno, if you know what I mean. Oh, yes. So, yeah, so that's the feeling. And you're not number one, you're a different number. And it's, uh, that's kind of what it feels like. So it's, but again, it worked out good for me to be able to be, you know, put my mom hat on. You know, I mean, I'm a, full, I'm a full-time mom anyways, but it's, you know, being here and homeschooling them. And um, so it kind of was beneficial for me to go ahead and take that you know, because I didn't want to get stuck on the road and, uh, not make it home, you know? So, um, but yeah, I don't see the airlines kind of bending over backwards to kind of, you know, help you other than it, they're just trying to stay afloat. What would, you, what's one thing that you would like to see them do that would make you feel more like someone important to the airline and not just a number because we really, we, you're right. We are just a number. We are all replaced. There's a, there's a thousand people waiting for your number. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. It's just weird. Like really early on, they were like locked down their own headquarters and you, you know, you had to get your temperature check before you went in there. And, but it's like the people that were out, you know, working the flights there was no temperature check, you know, for that or, you know, so it's just, it was kind of weird where it's kind of like they wanted to protect themselves, but, but they weren't really protecting the people that are out there that could actually, you know, become, you know, sick with this or, um, contagious, you know, even if they already did have it, you know, or something. So I think, I don't know, had dance parties every day. That might help. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds like it's like, not very, so. that does not sound social distancing. So <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Just, I don't know. It's just, it's, um, I'm not really sure what they could do to kind of improve it, but it's just, I think the morale was maybe so, you know, you know how pilots talk and stuff, you know? So I just, I don't know. Some of them complain a lot. So I think the morale was kind of low anyways, but um, I don't really know. I don't really know the answer to that. Um, other than I think that just the personal, that personal element, it was, was missing before this all happened. So I think they have to, you know, find that again and, and go from there. Maybe, I don't know. I think that in my opinion, I think like they, how do I say it? Like, it's almost like they just let pilots and flight attendants and gate agents kind of like figure it out. Figure it out. You're out there. You're out. And I say that because of all that bullshit, excuse my language. Um, and if, if all, if the worst thing I say today is bullshit, that shows my respect for you. <laughs> Cause I say fuck all the time. Oh, I just did. So Same. <laughs> uh, there you go. It's my favorite word. So, um, but it was when they, they made that announcement, like when the government the governors or whatever, they came out and they said, like, if you fly from New York to Florida, you have to quarantine for 14 days, but not if you're pilots or flight attendants, you can hop right back on the airplanes and fly around the country all fucking day long because you apparently are different than just normal human beings. And I thought that was well, so absurd to me. It pissed me off. Well, yeah, you're, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, like many other rules, I guess that are out there, it's, uh, you're kind of, expected to have be a superhero you know you're like yeah i never get sick or <laughs> i'm immune to this what are you talking about um so yeah i totally feel that where it's kind of just weird how everybody else was supposed to take care of themselves but you know because we were crew members it was it you know it didn't apply to us but i don't know it's, it's it's weird i wish there was like maybe like a rotation like maybe you fly a trip and then 
you know, maybe you do have to quarantine afterwards and fly some more trips and quarantine. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but it's weird. Now, when you were flying last month, you're up in the flight deck. I'm sorry. Are you a, a first officer or a captain? I'm a first officer. First officer. So you're up there. You're with the captain. The door's closed. Do you feel safer? And by safer, I mean not surrounded by passengers that could be coughing all over you. Do you feel safer up there with the door closed? Do you ever think about like, yeah, this sucks, but think of those flight attendants in the back who are actually with these monsters. I mean, passengers. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, they were totally. Oh, no, I totally felt that. No, I, no, I always, I mean, that goes off to anybody that can be a flight attendant because I would probably. I would probably threaten somebody if they'd push that, you know, that little flight attendant call button. I'd be like, you touch that, there's going to be a problem. I think flight attendants actually say that though. So you'd be fine. You'd be fine. <laughs> I've, I actually worked with a flight attendant once we were taxiing and, you know, I was in the back, I was in the back alley and he was walking to the back. We're not supposed to be up and walking during the taxi, but he was, and he walked by the lady in the last row and she said, can I get some water for my son? And he yelled out loud, is he dying? Is he dying? I think he can wait. I almost like pulled a Steven Slater. I was almost like, I'm just going to jump out the back of this airplane because I was so appalled. So I mean, it happens even to real flight attendants, so you'd be fine. But no, I was curious because um, I have good friends that are pilots and they will complain to me like, oh, I can't believe I have to go to work today. And I'm always thinking, yeah, but the flight attendants are in the back with the people. You're up front. You close the door. You don't even have to open the door when people are leaving. So I think that's this is true. Yeah. Well, you get a lot of that weird air coming right through like the vents and stuff. Like it's just, it's usually by day four of a trip, like I'm sneezing constantly, usually, you know, at the end of the trip, I'm like, okay, that's how, you know, it's time to go home. And, uh, there's just so much dust and I don't know, it's no matter how much you clean it, like it's still there like all the time. So I don't know. It, um, I don't know if it's any safer, you know, I think it's, you're around germs anyways, but yeah, dealing with people, um, God, I sounded that I even said people and that sounded bad. I'm like, Ooh, the people. <laughs> oh no, no. They're people. <laughs> I mean, you know, airline, you know, I personally think that human beings often airplane are completely different than when they're on an airplane. So, you know, something happens to people when they, when they step on an airplane, they could be the greatest human being in the world. And the moment they step on an airplane, now they're an asshole. And this is true. I've never understood that. I'll watch people come on the plane and I'm like, you, I know you function in society, but now you can't even <laughs> read a sign to find baggage claim, but you drove here in your car. <laughs> this, is, this is so true. It it's, really is. It's absurd. I've like totally, I've totally threatened my kids like so much. They're like so fearful of being thrown off the plane whenever we travel because I've like instilled fear of God, you know, of mom, right? I'm just like, you have to, I'm like, this is where mom works. You have to respect the flight attendant. I'm like, if you have your headsets in, you take them off, you know, when you, when they talk to you, I'm like you look them in the eye, they're not there to serve you drinks. They're there to save your life. And that's how they see the, the crew, you know, and I hope that most passengers think that or what they should, they should have to, I don't know, but it's, um, 
yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad I'm not flying right now, to be honest. It's just Does the it? last couple of flights we were on, though, most people had the masks on anyways. The, um, all the passengers did. So, Does um, not working right now relieve some of the stress of what's going on in the world? Yeah, because I kind of, I don't want to make it seem like I don't care. I do care, but I don't have to think of what happens if I get stuck on the road or, you know, all I have to worry about right now is that my kids are healthy and I'm healthy. And so it uh, minimizes um, all of that, you know, because I think your mind is always going kind of in the background and it just, it brings the focus in here, which is really, really nice. Um, instead of like having to commute and one of the last trips I did, I, you have this commuter, you know, commuter policy. And so I didn't live in base either. So that was a hard thing. So I have to commute to get to work and all those flights were get canceled. And I literally was at the airport like the whole day. Like I did my whole two commuter flights, you know, and I could have called in, but I, I needed to work. I needed a paycheck. And so I stayed there, you know, so that I, I could pick up my trip. And for me, it was just exerting so much energy. And it just, to me, it wasn't, it, you had to really weigh it then. You know, you're like, well, is this really worth all of the, you know, all the stresses and, you know, the risk of, you know, um, I guess, ca- you know, catching something and bringing it back to my kids. Well, because, yeah, because, you know, w- you know what I love about you and about that statement is you're a mom before you're a pilot. True. And, <laughs> yeah. and, but I, you know, I have this conversation with lots of my friends because, you know, being in the airline industry for 12 years, I would say 75% of my friends are pilots or flight attendants, gate agents think in the industry. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, there's this thing in our brains, flight attendants and pilots specifically, I think that being in the airline industry is kind of like part of our DNA. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to separate, like I'm Joe and I'm a flight attendant. Oh, of course I put my, my name is flight attendant Joe on social media. So I, I think that's kind of funny, but trying to just say, no, no, I'm, I'm a person and I have other things that are going on in my life besides just saying, I'm a pilot, I'm a flight attendant. Um, you know, when I was a nurse, I didn't walk around thinking, you know, I liked being a nurse. I was proud of it, but I didn't feel like it was part of my DNA, but being in the airline, being crew, having that crew on my badge makes me almost think like, oh, like I'm a white gay guy who's an, a flight attendant. Like it's part of my description, my narrative. Mm-hmm. So you putting your yeah. kids first, I really respect that. Thank you. Yeah. They, um, I don't know. You're always, a, you're always a parent. And once you're a parent, <laughs> you don't, that, that title doesn't go away, you know, but it's, um, yeah, they're, um, they're, they're glad in here too and stuff too. I think it helps ease, you know, with everything that's going on because it's for them, it's hard to understand too. Well, if everybody else has to be, you know, these stay at home orders, why is my mom going, you right. know? So I think for them, it, it makes a very tumultuous time in their life. Like, you're, you're just mitigating all that, you know? So, you know, mom's home and here's, you know, try to even, you know, even keel everything. So that's the thought process, at least. <laughs> I'll have to remind myself when I'm yelling at them. <laughs> I could be on a layover somewhere, but I chose you. 
Exactly. I could put I a could mask be in on. Arkansas right now. Well, I could be in Arkansas right now. <laughs> well, nobody says that. <laughs> Nobody's going to say that. If you if you said that to your kids, they'd be like, "You'd rather be in Arkansas than here with us." We're not that bad. Oh, I feel bad for Arkansas now. <laughs> No, right. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> That's awesome. No, don't be sorry. That's great. Um, one, let me ask you though, one thing, how do you see, so when this is over, you've been in the airline, you've been a pilot for a long time. How do you see us coming out of this? What changes do you think are going to happen to the airline industry? Like no more middle seats, but you know, things like that. Do you, do you think of those things or that's not even on your radar? Um, you know, I do think of those things. I think that, um, I don't know, we should have, hopefully I'll bring back the romance of flying. Like who really wants to have somebody sitting right next to them? I mean, come on, maybe, maybe that's why we have grumpy passengers, right? (laughs) Right. Maybe people will just really love the actual, the travel part, you know, and it used to really, you know, there was this allure and the romanticism about it. And hopefully that comes back. Um, I don't know how we'll gradually, get back into more flying. Obviously people are out of work and I don't know how eager everybody's going to be to hop on a plane to go anywhere. Right. Um, but I don't, I don't know how we're going to get there. I know at some point we will. I mean, we will, this, we will get through all this at some point and it won't go back to what we knew was normal. There'll be a new normal. Um, but I, I don't know what that, that looks like. Probably. Um, you know, I saw this article, where they, and I brought up middle, no middle seats. I saw this article like, will the future of airlines block the middle seat. So now, because I don't think like you just said, the, the term new normal, when, when this is all over, things will be different. We're not going to go back to sitting on top of each other, probably on the airplane. There's going to be, I always think of the TSA, you know, every time they implement something, cause something happens, they never take it away. They never say, we're only going to do this for a month. It's we're taking your one person 15 years ago, threatened to mix liquids together and blow up an airplane. And now 15 years later, we still can't bring on a bottle of water. Yeah. crazy. <laughs> well, here, and, and one thing I was just, I was just in the shower thinking about this this morning. I was like, you know, you're not allowed to bring on water. You're not allowed to bring on anything, but now because there's a crisis, you can bring on as much hand sanitizer as you want, which kind of just says the rest of your rules are fucking stupid because what's the difference between you could bring San, you could bring a gallon of sanitizer now, but you couldn't in January. So it's kind of like blows them up a little bit. Wrong terminology though. (laughs) (laughs) That is is wrong terminology. Wrong terminology. Uh, Yes. But you know what I mean? It kind of like, it kind of deflates their, oh, we're here to protect you. You can bring sanitizer now, but you can't. So in August, we're not going to be able to bring it. It just kind of makes me look at them and roll my eyes. Yeah. I don't really know. I didn't realize you could bring, can you bring unlimited hand sanitizer? I don't even know what the normal rules are for people. It's not oh, <laughs> I know. I know. We're so, we're see another thing. We're so spoiled. We don't even go through security. <laughs> um, yeah, no, what is, that? what is that? I don't even know what the, I, I laugh at people who go through security. No. Um, like I guess right now during the COVID-19 pandemic, they're allowed, uh, you know, passengers are allowed to bring like Clorox, a bottle of Clorox wipes. They're allowed to bring like, 
as much hand sanitizer as they want, but I bet you. So imagine you're going through and you have like um, a big, huge bottle of hand sanitizer, right? But then they take your bottle of Voss water, Voss water away. I mean, that's just dumb. Just bothers it me. Is. It's so stupid. But no, I was curious if you had any thoughts of what the airline industry now that they've taken away, you know, they, there's no service, they're separating people. Like what do you think any of those things will stick? Yeah, I think what I agree when you're saying once they take away something, they're not going to, they're not going to bring it back. They're not, you know, if it is, then they'll have to uh, create like, a, they'll come up with like a whole safety team board, you know, that'll have to approve, <laughs> approve what you can and cannot, you know, bring on. But I don't, I don't know how they're going to change it as a passenger. And it, I'm just laughing because I, I, I really don't know the rules for passengers. Like, I don't, I don't. Um, well, as long as you yeah, know how to know. fly the plane, that's really all that matters. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't know. I just fly airplanes. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Like what? There's people back there. I thought this was cargo. No, no. <laughs> Well, Marissa, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I know you're a blogger too. So can you let everyone know where they can find your blog and how to read your um, posts? Uh, Well, hopefully you read uh, left to right. Uh, You could read it backwards, but it might come out differently. Sorry, that's my wise assness. But (laughs) 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 Um, you can go to yeslouisville.com and I have a, a, I'm a contributor over there. So I, a lot of it's like aviation infused, you know, oh, parenting, nice. depends on whatever it is, you know. Oh, that's cool. How long have you been doing that? Um, for a couple of years. It's, oh, cool. it's fun. It's a nice little outlet. You know, writing, it's so great to just express yourself. It's a great way to get it all out. It's very cathartic writing. It is. It is. It and is. that was called Yes Louisville. Louisville. I yeah. say it wrong. Yes, I know. It's you know what Louisville. you're supposed to say it like you got you know like you've been drinking bourbon. Louisville, or something. Louisville. Yes, Louisville, Louisville. <laughs> I've actually been there. Um, I did a 5K run there once, like in twi- right. in 2011. Yeah, it was for I. It was like um for it was a breast cancer run, and I did it um and I got to write the person's name I was running for and put it on um back. Her name was Gloria Sauer. She passed away from breast cancer and I was able to run for her, which was very emotional. And I actually did good time. Aww. So she was with me. Yeah. So that's my experience. Aww, I that, love that. That's my Kentucky experience. <laughs> and there yeah. was now, do you live there? Do you live there or no? I live I, technically in Southern Indiana, but yeah, I say Louisville to okay. everybody. Okay. But. There used to be this really cool restaurant there that went out of business a couple of years ago. I can't even remember the name, but it was just this really cool, awesome restaurant. Um, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. Like you'd go in and it was like, like jungle themed, And then there was some artwork. It was really neat, but no, right. No memory of that. Well, I'm actually, I'm a California girl. Oh, okay. I was born and raised in SoCal. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a transplant out here. So okay. I don't really, yeah. All right. Well, it's out of business anyway, ladies and gentlemen. So don't worry. <laughs> Thank you, Marissa. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you calling in and you and your family, please be safe. Thank you. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs> yeah. 
Hey, Adam, welcome to Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe. Can you tell everyone who you are and what do you do for a living? Hey, Joe, uh, thanks for having me. This is my first time on a podcast. I've popped your cherry. I love, <laughs> uh, I love popping I people's cherries on a podcast. So exciting. Um, I've been looking forward to this all day. <laughs> Uh, yeah, oh my well, my name's Adam. I, I'm a, I'm an airline pilot. I'm a captain right now. Um, don't know if that's going to continue to happen, but uh, time will tell. Now, explain that. What do you mean um, time will tell if you continue to be a captain? What What do you mean by that? Um, well, you know, right now it looks like um, the airlines are probably going to have to furlough people, um, or at least that's what they're saying. Um, nobody really knows for sure, but if they do have to furlough people, that inevitably means that I'm going to be most likely uh, downgraded um, or, you know, switched in base or possibly lose my captain seat. So um, it just depends on if they furlough and how many people they furlough. I mean, I'd be lucky to keep my job, I guess. And, and you know, with some people saying that it could be, you know, furloughing you know, quite a few people. So I don't think we know yet. I don't think anybody knows, um, but it's definitely on the table. Now, so have you not, how long have you been a captain at your airline right now? Um, almost one year I've been a captain there. Um, so it looks like, uh, you know, I waited to upgrade for a little while. So depending on how many people, um, if they do decide to downgrade, I could possibly still hold a captain's seat, but it just depends on, you know, what they decide to do. I, I could decide to, you know, try to go for a better quality of life and just downgrade to the NFO again. Now, how long have you been at, so how long have you actually been an airline pilot? Let's, let's get that out of the way. Um, I've been flying for the airlines for 14 years. And how long have you been at your, how many airlines is that? Uh, that's two airlines. Okay. Uh, started, uh, started at a regional airline and flew there for almost six years. And I've been at my current airline for um, a little bit over eight years. Okay. And, um, and you've been a captain for a year. So in situations like this, can the airline just say to you, hey, we don't need you as a captain anymore. We're going to put you back as a first officer. Do you have any say in that or... You know, is that just something that they can do without even your approval? It depends on the airline. Uh, but with our airline, uh, basically, um, they have to abide by our contract. Uh, and that, and that, uh, that says that basically you can hold whatever seat um, is available. So if they decide to get rid of 500 guys, and unfortunately, you know, if they end up doing that, then there's going to be, you know, uh, 500 less seats in the airline and you're going to have all those are going to go up for bid. So whatever your seniority can hold is, is whatever you, is whatever you get. So it all depends on if they furlough and how many people they decide to furlough. But yes, I mean, it, you know, say I'm on a, a certain aircraft now as a captain, I might be able to hold captain on a different aircraft or um, I could decide to just be a first officer on the aircraft I'm on now in a better base. I see what you're saying. Um, 
Is that a hard decision to make? What now say they came to you and they said, Hey, we need to downgrade you. Would you rather commute and be a captain or stay in your local base and become a first officer again? Oh, I've already gone through this scenario in my head and I would definitely go back to being a first officer and just, and staying in base because I, I hate commuting. Um, just like you, Oh, I hate commuting. Uh, yes, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, I know. Uh, I, I can't stand commuting, so it's a different job commuting, um, and I would, I would almost rather quit than commute. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. I can. Is is being downgraded? It's kind of like a demotion, or is that not the mentality of when you have to downgrade or change bases because the airline tells you? I think some people might take it as a demotion, but I mean, in this, you know, in this, uh, scenario, it's just life. I mean, it's just, you know, you're, you're doing what you got to do. Um, you, if you're choosing to have a better quality of life and downgrade, I don't see it as, um, as a bad thing. I mean, yeah, you're making some, you know, a little bit less money, but in, in exchange for a better quality of life. So, um, you know, I, I, I think a lot of us are going to be fortunate to uh, still have a good paying job. I mean, if you look at all the, you know, all the people that have lost their jobs right now, I mean, absolutely. I don't think of it as a, um, as a demotion. I think it's, it's good if we can get through this uh, without losing our job. Right. We, and you, um you just made a great point about the fact that we still have jobs. We're very lucky. There's, I don't even know now, like 20 million or some crazy number of people that have applied for unemployment. Do you? Yeah, I saw that today. I, yeah. I think the report came out today of uh, 20, 20 or 25 million people are now uh, on unemployment. That's so mind boggling. Now, I talk about this with my therapist all the time. I have a lot of guilt because I'm in the position that I'm in. Do you have, do you suffer from any type of guilt because you're like, oh, you know, I'm this, I'm an airline pilot. I make such and such money. You know, I, I'm, I'm okay. Do you, do you suffer from guilt or no? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I suffer from guilt from many aspects of my life, but, uh, uh, yeah. So, so this, yeah, I mean, I definitely feel a little bit of guilt from, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here worried about, you know, being a captain, you know, making a, a great amount of money and possibly going to FO uh, first officer. And then, you know, yeah, I'm getting a pay cut, but I still get to keep my job, of course. And there's people that are, you know, that have been out of work for a few weeks now and they're looking at, you know, where's my, my next paycheck going to come from? You know, how am I going to pay my rent? I mean, you know, I, I really feel for the people that are having a much harder time with this than we are. Um, you know, we're a lot of us in the airline industry right now are very fortunate that we got a, a government bailout. I mean, immediately it happened very quickly too. So I, I think that we're very fortunate that that, that that happened. Do you, so do you think that was a good idea that they came in and gave us money to, cause I almost, you know, it sounds weird that I'm going to say this cause I'm in the airline industry, but I'm on the fence regarding being bailed out because it's only, it only saved jobs technically correct me if I'm wrong, because you know, we are friends and you do correct me all the time when I'm wrong. 
true. Um, it's true. Let's not like, um, do you, it's almost like, oh, you're just po- po- postponing the inevitable because this only lasts until September 30th, technically this bailout money at this point. And airlines are already sending out emails to their employees like, Hey, come October 1st, you may not have a job. So like I'm on the fence with the whole bailout situation. Like, I don't know if it's truly the right thing to do taxpayers, money, stuff like that. Yeah, I think it is. Um, and I'll tell you why I think this, you know, every about 10 years or so, the airline, it seems like the airline industry goes through something major that, you know, is, is a big downturn, like September 11th. Um, and then, you know, the big financial crisis in 2008. And then now here we are with this, but this seems, this is a little different. I mean, this is something that the airline industry has never seen as far as, you know, bookings down 95%, passenger traffic down, you know, 95%. That's, that's never been seen in the airline industry. So I really think that had the government not stepped in to give us any money to at least keep, I mean, you know, you got to think about more than just paying um, salaries for employees. It's, it's not just that, you, you know, you have to keep the airport infrastructure up. Uh, you know, the airlines help pay for that. The airlines pay for a lot of the airport infrastructure with the taxes they collect from uh, booking fees and landing fees that they pay and gates that they pay for. Um, so it's not just the airline employees that are getting the bailout. It's the actual, the entire uh, airline infrastructure that the American people get to use. They actually are bailing out that entire infrastructure. So I think that it's just, it's more than just paying the employees. I know that's what they were, you know, kind of pulling on the heartstrings with, with, um, you know, people in the media, like, Hey, we got to keep our employees, you know, paid and stuff, but it's not just that. I mean, they're, they're keeping an entire infrastructure of travel, um, that's not just by car or train, you know, where you can travel, you know, across the country in five hours as opposed to three days or five days, you know? So I think they were, it's a little bit more than just that. So I think it's, I think it's very important that the government stepped in and, and helped to, um, you know, prop up the airlines. Well, that may, you know, when you, when you say it like that, I can actually understand it. And it does give the airlines, even though it's technically this bailout money is supposed to last till September 30th. It also is giving the airlines a little bit of breathing room to say, all right, let's stretch this out to see what happens. Cause come August, you know, we, there could be, instead of a 95% decrease in flying, there could be maybe a 70% decrease in flying, which is possibly going right. to happen. I, yeah, I, th- I think that, <clears throat> I mean, they're already talking about you know, slowly opening up, you know, certain certain places of the country. So I think once that happens, it's going to come back pretty quickly. I mean, that's just my speculation, but it seems like, you know, it's, it's not going to just roar back and people are just going to be traveling like they were. Um, if you look at, you know, what we were doing last year, this time, you know, we were, you know, the airline industry was flying millions and millions of people daily, um, as compared to what they are now, you know, 5% of that, I don't think it's going to come back to what it was right away, but I think it's going to come back in a significant amount enough where we probably won't need, uh, more bailout money. I know they're talking about that now, but. 
I think it is going to come back rather quickly. Do you think by the end of 2020, we'll see um, air travel at like 50% compared to now where it's at just yeah. 5% of people flying? I think so. I, I, I think people are going to, um, I think they're going to want to travel still for the holidays. I think people are still going to want to go see their family members. Um, I think people are itching to get out, you know, get out of the house and, and, and see um, and have human interaction, you know, and have interaction with their friends and family that they haven't had. So I think that's going to be kind of a driving force to, you know, for people to travel. Do you see people coming back, you know, Oh, I'm going to jump on planes. I'm going to restaurants. And then a second wave of the of COVID-19 hitting and possibly making things worse. Um, that's definitely a possibility. You know, I, um, I've, I've seen the, the, the whole second wave, uh, argument, uh, you know, in the media, I guess really the big thing now is it, it's, it's also uncertain. You know, we don't know if there's, uh, right now there's no treatment. Uh, there's no vaccine. Uh, there's a lot of clinical trials going on for treatment. So if there is a second wave, by the time that comes, there could be a treatment, uh, probably won't be a vaccine, but there could be a, a viable treatment. Um, I think there's just so many unknowns right now um, when it comes to, you know, are we going to be back to 50% bookings, you know, by December? Uh, because we just don't know right now. We don't, we don't know how people are going to react. We don't know if there is going to be, like, I think if they, you know, if they came out with a viable treatment with some of these clinical trials, you know, it, it could bring back travel more than 50%. If, they, if people think, oh, well, there's a treatment. If I get it, I can just, you know, I'll get treated and, you know, and book from there. But, you know, right now, I think there's just so many unknowns that it's it's just, it's, it's everybody is, is nervous about traveling. Everybody's nervous about, you know, could there be a second outbreak? Could I get it? I don't know. It's just, there's, there's so many unknowns right now. I have this, I have this prediction. I talked about it on, um, my last episode, I have this prediction that even when things get back to a new normal, like, cause it's things don't, things will not be the way they've always been. This, I, I look at this moment in history, like one of those big where humans start living differently. Um, do you, right. do you, I predict that even when things get back to the new normal, we're going to be wearing face masks for a while. What do you I think about think that? So. You don't think so? <laughs> I don't think so at all. No. Interesting. No. Okay. Why don't you think so? I really don't. I, well, I just, I just don't see people. Um, I think the more data that comes out on this disease, I think they're going to see that. I mean, we don't wear face masks. I'm not going to, okay. People are going to damn compare this to the flu. Um, people don't wear face masks for the flu. Um, of course, this is, this is right now from the data we know is more deadly than the flu but more data is coming out um, almost daily. You know, even this week uh, data has come out uh, from antibody testing that's shown that, you know, 50 to 85 times more people have had this in certain counties, like in Sarah Clinic, uh, Santa Clara County, like where, you know, your old stomping grounds down there. Um, LA, 25 to 55 times more people have had this. Uh, through antibody testing, 
Uh, New York just came out today with a test, uh, with the antibody testing that 13.9% have already had this, this virus. So that brings the case fatality rate down to 0.5% if you go off those numbers. So I, I don't, I think the more data that comes out of this and that we see that this is not, you know, this isn't SARS. This isn't a 10% death rate. You know, this isn't as deadly as we once thought. Uh, the more data that comes out, I think the more that people are going to relax a little bit and they'll be cautious, but I don't think that it'll be to the point where people are wearing gloves and face masks to the store and, you know, going to restaurants, wearing face masks and stuff. I just don't, I just don't see that happening. Okay. Now in Asian cultures like Japan, specifically Japan, I think China too, when you're sick, you wear a face mask. Like when you go to Japan, if you see somebody wearing a face mask, you know in your mind, okay, that's a sick person and they're trying to prevent coughing out in the public. Do you think that that is a good type of, you know, cultural thing to adapt to? Do you think, do you, does, do you think that's a good idea? Like, hey, somebody's sick, you should wear a face mask. Yeah, I mean, I Absolutely. If you're sick, for one, you probably shouldn't be going to a restaurant. But yeah, I mean, even now, like when we go to a doctor's office, if you're sick, they have a face mask. Even before this COVID-19 um, happened, you know, they would have face masks. Like, hey, if you're sick, put this on. I don't think a lot of people did that back then. This could be a good educational um, uh, time and space where, you know, people are like, hey, I, I should probably be wearing a mask. You know, say you're, you know, you're sick and you have to go to the grocery store. And uh, you just got to go get food for yourself. Yeah, put a mask on. I think it's a great idea. Um, but yeah, as far as wearing a mask, mm -hmm. you know, all the time to protect yourself from, you know, a disease that might, you know, like, yeah, if I'm in New York City right now, I'm probably going to be wearing a mask. I mean, they have a lot of cases there. Right. But where I live right. in Florida, there's not that many. Right. So, but I, I do agree. So when I said that people will be wearing masks for a long time, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking like, yeah, people, 2021, everyone's going to be wearing a mask, but maybe it's more, hopefully, Ameri the people in the United States, us, we adapt to that culture of, oh, if you're sick, you should wear a mask. Because I know years in the past, you know, I'll call myself out. I would see an Asian person wearing a mask and I would be like, oh God, why are they wearing a mask? This is ridiculous. <laughs> and now I understand it. I'm like, oh, now I get it. You're actually being thoughtful because you're coughing up Lord knows what, and you're trying to keep it from me. So I appreciate that. And thank you very much. So it's actually ch living through this has changed my thought processes on um, people who wear a mask when I I don't seem like there needs to be one worn, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I don't know when, um, I don't really know when that started in, in that culture, in that part of the world. It could have been when there was, um, you know, the first SARS uh, virus happened uh, back in, was it, 2002. I don't know if that's when it became more prevalent. It could have been before then, I don't know, but... Yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, you know, as far as if you want to wear a mask, go for it. I mean, if it's if, if you think it's going to keep you safer, if it does, that's great. If you know, if it keeps you from spreading a, a sickness to someone else, that's awesome. You know, there's no problem with that. Well, while um, we were just there, my assistant, who is just my fingers on my laptop, looked up when Asians started using. <laughs> 
<laughs> when did Asians start wearing masks all the time, right? And it was during the 2002, like SARS, is that what it was? Yeah, 2002 SARS outbreak. And then the 2006 bird flu. So that's when, so almost like 18 years ago is when they started saying, okay, if we're sick, we should wear a mask. And I think we're going to see that a lot in the United States. Yeah, I think we'll see it definitely in bigger cities, you know, for sure. I think in, 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 you know, parts of America that are, you know, more, you know, like smaller, smaller towns and cities, I really don't. I mean, I've seen it here. I've seen it here a lot. It's increased here in the past couple of weeks where I live in Florida a lot. And we're, you know, we're a smaller city. So it's interesting. I also see people wearing uh, gloves that they've worn the entire time in Costco eating a hot dog with their gloves on. So I don't know how much they're helping themselves, but you know, at least they're trying. No, they're not trying. They're idiots. You can say that. You're an idiot <laughs> if you go to fucking Costco and you have gloves on and you touch everything in Costco and then you go buy one of those big, fat, juicy hot dogs and then you walk out of the store with the same gloves on. You are a moron. And if you get COVID-19, I'm probably not going to bat an eye because that's just stop doing oh my god that really sets me off like you just triggered me like lord i think i just talked about this yeah. recently i shared that story that you shared because that you were at costco looking at waiting for tires and you're like some bitch is walking out of here with gloves eating a hot dog and it just put me in a bad mood for yeah. the rest of the day <laughs> oh my god i mean they're trying they have well, their you know their best interest in, in heart and everyone else's i guess but it's not working. Maybe it has to do with people, you know, this, this human being, this person, man, woman, whatever, they're probably thinking I have to protect myself from other people. And they're not thinking about that. What they're doing is actually possibly causing them harm because they think I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm wearing gloves. I'm safe. And then they're touching every item in Costco that everyone else has touched. And then they're buying a hot dog. Yeah. I just almost blew a boogie out of my nose from laughing. They buy a hot dog and then they're chomping on the hot dog with those dirty fucking gloves. It, it just, it, it makes me sad for the world. Yeah. A lot of this makes me sad for the world. I want to go over there and rip the hot dog out of their hand, take the gloves off and slap them with them and be like, now I feel better. <laughs> they were elderly. So oh I God. Well, now I feel like a dick. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, I know you should. You're supposed to lead with that. You're supposed to say, I saw an old person and then I would be like, oh, well, they don't know. God, I think you did that on purpose. All right, <laughs> let's get back on. I just wanted on. to paint you in a bad light. That's well, <laughs> it doesn't take a lot to paint me in a bad light if anyone's ever heard me or read anything I've ever written. So <laughs> are you um, are you currently flying? Are you off? Did you take a leave? What's going on with your schedule? So I am, I'm actually uh, still active. I'm on reserve, so, um, but I'm sitting reserve from home um, away from base which is nice. And it's, it's, I haven't flown since the end of March. Um, and I've only, and even the end of March, I just flew one leg and it was to New York and back and, uh, just deadheaded back. And then before then it was a couple of weeks before I, uh, since I'd flown. So I'm not really flying that much. And I took the, uh, our company offered time off in May. So I took the time off in May to get, uh, partial payment. So 
So I'm not really flying much and I will not be flying in May. How does that help with um, any stress that you have regarding living through this pandemic? Does it relieve it? Or do you think like I should be flying because, you know, pilots and flight attendants tend to really feel alive when they go to work. So how, how are you doing with this decision to be at home? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I was thinking about that today. Um, you know, before I upgraded to captain, I was flying as an FO. I was flying about 80 to 85 hours a month. So it was typical for me to, you know, leave every, almost every week to go to work and fly for three or four days, um, come back home, uh, have a few days off and go back. And, and it was just a routine. It felt, you know, it felt normal. It felt great. When I upgraded to captain, I went on reserve and I would go away for a few days and come back, but not, not as much. I'd be home more. And then I transitioned to a, a type of reserve where I could actually sit at, um, reserve at home. And so I've been home a lot the past, you know, even before the, um, this, uh, COVID-19 became an issue. I, I'd been at home a lot. Um, this year I've only flown probably about 50 hours, which for me, you know, the year prior, you know, it was probably 250 hours at the time of year. So it's kind of been an easy transition for me, like just being at home. And it's, it's actually, when I, when I look at the forward at the month of May and I know that I'm going to be off work, it's great. I mean, I, I'm, I'm super happy. I mean, I, I, I'm blessed. I mean, I'm, I'm getting paid to stay at home. You know, and I, yeah, you talked about guilt earlier. I mean, that's, you know, I feel a little guilty about that, but I'm taking advantage of what our company's offered. And, you know, I feel pretty good about it. It's definitely released and stress. Right. And I think the guilt thing, uh, if, if you have empathy for the world and for people, you, there's going to be some level of guilt that you have when you get to stay at home and still get paid because, you know, pilots get paid pretty well. So you're sitting at home, you're getting paid, you're safe, your family's safe. So I understand having that little level of guilt. I'm sure there's some pilots out there that are like, fuck it, I don't care. But if it's nice to hear someone at your level say, yeah, no, I feel guilty. I know I'm lucky. And I think that's important. Yeah, I think a lot of us feel that way. I mean, I think a lot of us feel very fortunate that we're, that we're, you know, that for one, we got a bailout that, that you know, we're going to get money, we're going to get paid, at least the employees are going to get paid, you know, until September 30th or October 1st, whatever it is. Uh, I think we're very fortunate. We're very lucky to get that. So um, I'm happy about it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about taking the time off in June too. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I mean, if they're going to offer you to stay at home for like 50% of your hour, 50% of your flight hours of what you'd normally work, why, why would you go to work and sacrifice possibly getting sick? Right. I think, yeah, it makes, yeah, that's, that's smart to me. Are you worried about like, are you worried about being furloughed or are you safe at your airline? Do you think? That's a good question. You know, I, I, I think, I don't know. And I think that that's what the biggest anxiety with, and I'm speaking for all pilots and I, and I want to do that, but I think pilots are driven by actual data. You know, I think pilots, 
it's, you know, we live on, okay, what are the facts? What can I do in this situation to deal with, you know, X, Y, and Z? So we don't know that right now. We don't know if the company's going to furlough. We don't know if they're going to need to. We don't know if they do, how many people they're going to furlough. Um, there's so many uh, questions about what's going to happen and, ha- you know, when is demand going to come back? And, you know, if it does, you know, what if there's a merger on the, in the future with somebody that's, you know, an airline that's really struggling that has a lot of assets? I mean, there's so many questions and pilots are so driven by factual data and we just don't have that right now. So there's a lot of speculation. So, I, you know, I've heard people say, oh, we're going to furlough, you know, 50% of the group or 20%. Nobody knows. You know, nobody knows what's going to happen. Um, so I've tried to put that out of my mind with, you know, if I'm going to get furloughed or, you know, maybe I will, maybe I won't. I don't know. I mean, I've been at the company long enough that I would think if there is a furlough, I won't. But I've had to, you know, think about, well, if it does happen, what am I going to do? So, you know, I'm trying to manage my anxiety with saying, hey, you know, we can't, you can't worry about that. Just cross that bridge whenever you get to it. And if it, if it happens, it happens. You know, it's, it's out of my control. Do you have a, do you have a, do you have a plan? Do you have like, um, all right, if I get furloughed, this is what I'm going to do. Or are you kind of just hoping, I hope I don't get furloughed. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> now, you know, I hope I don't get furloughed. I mean, it'd be great. Um, and, you know, I, I don't really have a hard plan. I mean, I have enough money to and savings to, you know, to live for a while, you know, without, I mean, I've been fortunate enough, you know, with, with my job to make enough money to to have enough backup savings, you know, to, to live and, you know, keep a roof over our head and, and food for a long time. But, um, I'm fortunate w- when it comes to that, but, um, yeah, I really don't have a big plan. I mean, I would probably just try to, God, I don't know, start my own business or, or do something that, you know, where I could work for myself, you know, from home. I don't know. Well, that sounds fun. You know, I mean, there's, that's on my idea think there's too. Not, yeah. There's not that many people that are hiring right now. You know? Well, do you ever look at your life about, I, I, you know, I love to talk about how pilots and flight attendants really incorporate, it's not just a job. You know, they, you know, when I went to um, the interview, they were like, this isn't a job, this is a lifestyle. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But until you actually work it, you know, I was a nurse for many years, but I've never felt so connected to a career. And I do think pilots and flight attendants live in this world where it's so important. It's part of their DNA. It's part of their DNA. It is. Yeah. It's, it's not just like, Oh, I work at Starbucks. It's like, I'm a pilot. You, I'm a flight. When I say it, my fucking heart still, after all these years, my heart flutters because I'm proud and I'm excited. But do you ever think about, do you ever sit there and think about like, what would my life be? And what would I do if I was not a pilot anymore? Yes. I, you know, I, I thought about that even before, um, even before all this went down. I mean, I, you know, I've always thought about that and I do identify, um, as a, as a pilot, it seems like it's such a part of my life and, and what I've worked for, even before I became an airline pilot, I worked so hard to become one. 
and put up with all the you know, all the bullshit with with you know low pay and a, and bad schedules and you know whatever at a regional at a regional carrier you know just to get hired at a major airline and yeah it's it's hard to de-identify with that and be like okay what am I going to do now who am I now you know and a, a part of me wants to just go you know sail away on a sailboat and and live you know as a vagabond and take my family and just go around the world <laughs> you know and and part of me realizes that that's like all right come on that's not really and you could do that and but I would say the success rate of that's pretty low so you you might have to identify yourself as you know not an airline pilot anymore and recreate yourself you know and I, I think that I think I could do that but I it's it's a big leap, you know, and it's a it's a big step for somebody to do that. Well, yeah, it's scary too. I mean, you could leave your job, like say you got furloughed and then you're not a pilot anymore and you pack up your wife and your child and you buy a boat and then you sail around the world as a vagabond. I love that word. When you get back around the world, you, <laughs> when you get off the boat at some point, you're going to say, well, I'm going to have to do something because now I've sailed around the world yeah. and I guess I'm tired of living on a sailboat around the world. So you had mentioned something about go around again, or I guess you could, your, your kid could graduate (laughs) from high school. I mean, then you'd from a sailboat, but I think it's, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people and you know, we've been friends for a long time. We know each other very personally, um, that I'm a plan B person. I, I think that even if you are in the most committed, loving relationship where you and your spouse are like, my spouse is my best friend and I can't live without them. I think everyone on the planet should have a plan B. I've been fucked up enough by life to know that nothing (laughs) is nothing. What? What'd you say? Oh, nothing. I'm just kind of laughing. Oh, oh, I thought you, no, I've been fucked up enough in life to know that you don't know what's going to happen. So you should always have a plan B. So I'm thinking that when this is all, when the dust settles from all of this, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to think, God, you know what? Nothing is guaranteed because you know, when you work for an airline like us, that's pretty stable. Our airlines, pretty stable. The airlines we work for are pretty stable. You kind of get very lackadaisical. You're like, Oh, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. I'm going to be here forever. And then all of a sudden COVID-19 happens and you're like, holy shit, I should have a plan, a backup. You know, as far as pilots go, I think a lot of guys have a backup plan. I think a lot of the plan is, hey, I'm going to save a shit ton of money and I can wait out a furlough or a a downgrade or whatever and still be, be an airline pilot. I think that's a lot of plan Bs for pilots. You know, that's basically mine. But having a true plan B, like, all right, what am I going to become if I'm not an airline pilot? I don't think a lot of us have that. You know, I, I certainly don't have a solid plan B. That's a good question. You know, I, I wish I had a a better plan B and I think that's what, maybe that's part of the anxiety of struggling with, you know, what happens if, if I'm not an airline pilot anymore? That's a scary question. You know, when you, when you start thinking about, you know, you, you worked half your life or, you know, 20 years of your life to be where you are and it gets taken away or it's like, Hey, it's cut off. All right. You're no longer, you know, air travel's not as big as it once was. And it's going to take, you know, five years to come back. What are you going to do? That's a, that's a tough question. 
Well, maybe when you're done recording this podcast episode, it'll be something you think about. Like, you'll maybe you'll think, you know what? What if I'm not a pilot anymore? What if this happens and by the end of 2020, I'm not a pilot anymore, but I still have to continue moving forward. You know, I, I think people need that type of mentality throughout their life because so many curveballs are thrown at you and you never know what's coming. So it's always good to say, all right, if this happens, this is what I'm going to do. And I think that will relieve stress. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you if you have a solid, okay, you know, if, if I lose my job, if I, you know, I think the biggest, one of the biggest things is no, biggest things is knowing that you will find something else that you will succeed and you will continue forward. You know, anything after that falls into place. I mean, you, you have to have confidence in yourself that you know that you'll move forward and you will, you know, you will provide for your family. You will, you know, do what you have to do to get through this. I think that's what a lot of people are facing right now, you know, with, with, you know, people that were, you know, servers or worked in the restaurant industry or any other, other industry that's shut down right now, you know, they're facing that right now. What am I going to do to put food on the table? You know, and this, you know, $1,200 once, you know, this one $1,200 check these people are getting, you know, that's not going to cut it. I mean, at some point, you know, you had your walk, we're walking a fine line here of, you know, opening the country back up or more people dying, but it's, it's not one or the other, you know, it's, it's going to have to be a combination of both. Unfortunately, I mean, you know, otherwise it's going to tip the scale in either direction where the economy goes even worse and more people die because of that than would have without COVID-19 anyway. So, you know, I think our country, you know, is walking a pretty fine line here when it comes to, you know, opening back up or, or staying sheltered in place for three more months. You know, I, I just don't, I don't see that happening and I don't see a full, you know, full bore opening up of the country happening either. I kind of went off on a tangent there, but. Well, no, that's <laughs> I think okay. It well, I do think it relates because every, because everyone is just sitting around waiting. And at some point things are going to have to start moving forward or, Worse things will happen than COVID-19. And you're right. Yeah. It's a fine line. I am so glad I don't have to make those choices. I can just stand on the sidelines and, you know, bitch about the government. But I don't, I'm not in charge of <laughs> making those decisions. And thankfully, I'm not. I was just watching the Colorado governor today on the news and he's talking about like when we're going to start soft opening. And I'm like, you better hope you make the right decision. You know, this must be a hard decision because they're sitting there thinking, if I make the wrong decision, there goes my reelection. But what is the right decision? Yeah. Nobody knows. No, our country has never had to close down before. No. And, you know, the, I don't think there is a right decision. No matter what happens, these people are going to get blamed for what happened. So if they open up too quickly and more people die of COVID 19, they're going to get blamed. Or if they open up too slowly, and the economy gets even worse, they're going to get blamed for that. So they're kind of in a no-win scenario right now. Um, and it's not anybody's fault. You know, it's not, I mean, at first we didn't know, we didn't have the data as to how deadly this was. You know, we looked at China and said, oh my God, they've quarantined 760 million people. And China's a, a huge country and 
they're not, you know, this is kind of a weird reaction. Like we've never seen China do this before. So it put everyone else on guard. So when it finally got here and we finally decided it was here, which it was here months before we decided it was, we decided to shut down. And it, it's not anything like China shut down. Like China shut down is if you leave your house, you get arrested. Right. They were, there, there were videos of them dragging people at Lowe's right now. Right, oh God. Don't, yeah. A thousand people at Lowe's with no yeah. fucking face masks <laughs> eating hot dogs with gloves. They haven't changed. Don't even start right. me on that again. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> but, um, I do, I do agree. I think something just came out. That's the first person to die. Now they've calculated. It was actually somebody in California. Not in Washington. Did you see that? I didn't, but I believe it. Yeah, because yeah. There's yeah. a lot of people that travel from China to California. You know, months. This happened in November in 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 China. So I would say it probably was in California in November. Yeah, it was probably. I think it was in Silicon Valley. I think it was in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I you. would I not be surprised. No, no, no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. I agree. How do you think your airline is handling this situation? Good, bad, fair, poor? How would you rate them if if you were their teacher? I would say good. I mean, I think that they're I think they're trying to do what they're supposed to do with the information they have. I mean, you know, at first people were, you know, the CDC was saying, "Okay, you don't need a mask. It doesn't do anything for you." And that was whenever the virus was, you know, basically in China are first coming here. You don't, the mask doesn't do anything. So, you know, we followed the, from the get go, the CDC guidelines from what they put out. And at first it said no mask. So we didn't do that. And then they said, well, we're going to do, you know, more cleaning on the aircraft and we're going to, um, you know, clean the cockpits and, you know, do all that. Now, whether or not they've done that, I don't know. I haven't flown that much. I don't know if they've actually been cleaning the aircraft more. They say they have. Um, they said they were going to give us um, disinfectant wipes for the for the cockpit. I saw that one time, and then the second time I flew, I did not see them because they didn't have them. But there's also a nationwide uh, shortage of those. And I've also heard that you know some of the stuff, some of the like stuff from 3M coming in, like the mask and stuff that were going to hospitals got confiscated by the federal government to go to the, you know, to be di distributed by the federal government. So, I mean, there could be, you know, they could be trying to procure these things that they just can't get for us. Um, but now it's a CDC guideline for us to have these, you know, disinfectant wipes and masks. Um, it says if you're, you know, if you're a worker that's in close quarters, somebody else, you're supposed to be wearing a mask. Um, so I don't know how that's going to work in the cockpit. I mean, I, I haven't flown since that CDC guideline came out, but I think they're trying to do that. They're trying to get the mask. They're trying to provide the sanitary wipes, but they're so hard to come by. I think they're having a hard time with it. So I think they're trying to do the right thing. It's just kind of hard to comply with what's being put out there. I think you I you know I agree with you. I think they're doing the best that they can um because they don't know what to do either. I'm not one that technically I'm not one that usually believes airline management. Um I'm the kind of guy who's like, ah, "I don't know. I I know you're all about the money. 
So, and you know, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think they are about the money. Right. I agree. But and, when it comes to like a CDC guideline, I think they're like, okay, we got to comply with this. We're going to do it. You know, we're going to try to do it anyway. Right. We're going to try to give you these things, but if we can't, oops, but you still have to go to work. So yes, there's a CDC guideline that says you have to wipe the flight deck down, but we don't know if we're going to be able to give you any of those Clorox wipes because there's none to be found. So, but at least we're trying. Yeah. And, um, I I don't want to bitch and complain about the airline industry, but I do, I do think they're trying to do the best that they, but that's what I do all the time. I think they're trying to do the best that they can, but they also don't know what the fuck's going on. Like they're like, we could be out of jobs too. Like this airline could go under. So I was just yeah, curious. I, I think of, a lot of the, you know, a lot of them are scared. I mean, they, that's what's kind of scary with this whole thing is nobody really knows how long this is going to go on. And even the executives are like, shit, I don't know. <laughs> you know, the, you know, you know, when there's a financial problem or there's, you know, you kind of have an idea of when things are going to come back. But with this, we, this is uncharted waters. I mean, we just right. don't know. So, and they're getting, and they're getting these guidelines like, you know, Hey, this is, this is okay. And then the next minute it's like, Hey, no, you got to wear a mask and you got to provide this. And, you know, you're asking, you're asking these airlines to provide something that, that they can't get. Right, right. You know, I see, I see so many flight attendants who, you know, flight attendants complain so much. And I see so I see them complaining on social media about airline management a lot. And in my mind, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not 100% into airline management either. But you're gonna have to cut them a, a little bit of slack because they don't know what's happening either. Like, this has never happened. <laughs> so, you know, if you're upset yeah. that your schedule has been changed, there's so many more important things going on right now. Like, I made this right. meme. I made this meme the other day that I didn't share on social media because I knew my brand would just be destroyed. But it was a meme where it was like <laughs> it was somebody pointing, and it said it was a, it was an actress, and she's pointing at you. And in the little bubble, it says, "Guess who's complaining about the airline industry today? But who's going to be out of a job on October first? And it's pointing at the person. <laughs> like I was going to share that, but I thought. No, people are losing their jobs, and that's probably not the funniest thing to yeah. joke about. But what what yeah, is one? It is, it is a joke. It is, yeah, it's a joke. I mean, and and I I say it so that people will wake up and realize like what you're complaining about. You're sitting at home. Your whole schedule has been canceled. You're getting paid ninety hours. You only have to fly like one flight to Raleigh or something or whatever, but you're still complaining yeah. that the airline's not taking care of you. I mean, like, right. What do you want them to do? And so this goes into another question for you. Um, this has run way past what I told you we would record, but when it's a good conversation, I don't like to stop it. Flight attendants complain so much. Do pilots complain a lot when you're in the flight deck or in general? I think it just depends. You know, I think it depends on who you're flying with, but for the most part, I think pilots do complain a lot. Yeah. I, I would, I would agree with that statement. I think it's kind of like a us versus them mentality when it comes to any flight crew, pilots or flight attendants, because, you know, we're out there, you know, it's almost like, I want to say the front lines, but we're out there, you know, actually doing the, the work of, you know, 
flying to different places and staying in hotels. And we're the ones that get the short end of the stick. And when we get, you know, reduced rest overnight and we're in a short, you know, crappy hotel or, you know, whatever, when the people that are making these rules and, you know, finding the hotels are in their beds at night, you know, with their families. So it's kind of like a camaraderie, I guess, with uh, pilots and flight attendants both, you know, we're like, Hey, we're the ones out here doing this away, you know, away from our families, flying, you know, to different parts of the world. So, yeah, I would say it's, I, maybe that's why that happens. Like people, uh, pilots and flight attendants kind of were, we're alone. We're not, we're, we're kind of like, let me get back to the word vagabonds, but we're the ones that are out there dealing with all the BS that happens to us on the road. And, you know, the people or the, you know, the company per se are the ones that are in a, we don't see them. It's like a different entity, you know? So it's easy to complain about and talk, and talk shit about somebody that's not there and that isn't living the life that you're living right now. So, yeah, I, I would say pilots do. I mean, we, you know, obviously there's some people that complain more than others. And the cockpit, you know, you try to keep the conversation, at least I do, to more of not work-related things and more of fun things that, you you know, you like to do. And I don't know. It's it's a job, you know. I, I don't know. I I. I the more I'm away from my job on reserve, the more I've seen my life uh, improve as far as not being entrenched in the flying the line lifestyle, you know, 70% of my life. I think the more you fly, the more you're going to, the more you're going to like see the issues and the problems and the more you're going to complain. Well, I, I think that falls under, like, if you take someone like me, a flight attendant like me, who's been at my airline for a long time and has a, is pretty senior compared to a reserve, we have completely different experiences. Like I'll be in the back alley and they'll be telling me about their life. And they're like, don't you, under, don't you understand? I'm like, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't, I haven't been on reserve in 11 years. <laughs> no, I fly like once every six months. I, I, don't know. I, I no, yeah. Oh, the last time I talked to crew scheduling was like 20. 17. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I, I, I'm sorry. So I always feel bad about that. Um, but do you ever have to, are you ever in the flight deck and somebody's just hammering on and just complaining? And do you ever have to say like, okay, just shut the fuck up? <laughs> well, not in, yeah, not in so many words, I guess, but well, yeah, no, of course not, but pretty much. Yeah. Oh, that, that doesn't happen very often. I mean, it's, it's, it's easier for you guys to get away. You know, you can like walk to the other part of the airplane, but for us, you have, you're stuck up there with the same guy or girl for, you know, three, four days. So, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think is, you know, you, if somebody doesn't want to talk about company stuff and doesn't want to, you know, bitch about company contract stuff, then they kind of get the gist, you know, you don't want to talk about it and they'll move on to something else or just not talk. Yeah. You know, in the back, um, I agree in the back, we have more room. Like if you're in the, if you're working in the back galley and one of the flight attendants back there just is just talking and talking and you're like, I'm really not in the mood. You can walk around, you can walk up to the front, you could, you, there's space. But when you're sitting next to someone for hours and hours, day after day, and if they turn out to be some douchebag, you can't escape. I've had pilots come out during lab break and go, Oh my God, I don't want to go back in there. And I'm like, well, you have to. <laughs> 
because I can't <laughs> fly this bitch. So somebody's going to have to. Yeah. So it's good. It's good yeah. to know that you guys go through the same kind of ordeal working with your coworkers behind the door. Like we do. Cause in my mind, I'm like, Oh, it's all hand jobs and blow jobs in the flight deck. But no, that's, that's only in my, <laughs> <laughs> that's only, that's only when I'm on the layover at the hotel by myself. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Adam, for coming on the show, you know, I'll let all the listeners know you're like my best friend. So I want to appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and to talk to me about what it's like. And I, I definitely want to, I want to ask you one of my let's get grounded questions, because as well as I know you, I don't know this answer. So I want to know. Okay. So are you ready? Okay. Go for it. On a flight from Los Angeles to Sydney. If you could sit next to any famous person, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Uh, well, I've heard you ask this before because I listen to your podcast. Well, I hope but so. But I haven't tried to answer this myself. But I'm just going to go with my gut and okay. say Kaylee Fuko because she's hot. The, ch- <laughs> <laughs> the girl the, the, from uh, Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory. You know she's going to be on. You're, she's so you're, hot. I would you're, love to sit next to her. You might want to get um, some tissue ready because she's about <laughs> to play a flight attendant. So there was a novel. I don't know who the author what? is, but there was a novel written, a fictional novel called The Flight Attendant. And it's about a flight attendant who wakes up on a layover in Dubai and there's a dead guy in her bed. This is the this is the fictional novel. And they're turning it into a TV show and she... Uh, on 99.9999% correct is she is going to play the flight attendant. So your wet dream might come true. You might see her in a flight attendant uniform. You're going to be like, Oh, I can't wait to play that in my house. You're going to be a slam. You're going to be a slam clicker. You could tell your wife, like, don't talk to me right now. I'm flying this flight with whatever. What's her name? Kaylee Kuko? Kaylee Kuki? What is it? Kuko? I don't know how to say her last name. Kuko. Kuko. So so literally, that's the person you'd want to sit with on a 14-hour flight? I know. Some people would say like Ben Franklin or some shit. I I would have thought you'd say me because I'd make you laugh or at least your wife. You said, (laughs) I'm done. I've sat next to you long enough. (laughs) All right. This conversation's (laughs) over. Sir, thank you for calling in. I really appreciate that. And this was a lot of fun. And thank you for being so honest. Well, thanks for having me, Joe. All right. I'll talk to you soon. All right. See you, buddy. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this week's episode of Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe, please subscribe to the podcast. You'll get alerts when new episodes air. Also check out Flight Attendant Joe on Facebook and Instagram. And if you still haven't had enough of me, (laughs) check out the blog at www.flightattendantjoe.com.